Welcome back to Free Wide, our once weekly racing podcast discussing NASCAR and Formula One. I'm Caleb. I'm Connor. I'm Brandon, otherwise known as Dad. All right, and how are we all this weekend? I mean, this week? Pretty good. Um, good racing going on, going on at uh, NASCAR. So, let's see what happens. Yeah, Gateway was okay. I don't know if I'd say great, but it was okay. F1 was pretty well dominated. We'll get into that later, but Gateway was just kind of okay to me. I'm doing all, I'm doing all right. I'm still waiting for the video of Jeb's fist doing the talking over at Portland. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. That uh, was not very much of a fight. I think I heard somebody comparing it to a ceiling fan light string swinging back and forth. So that was not pretty much. That was like not a, really a fight. It was like one of those elementary school fights. <laughs> I would agree. I've probably uh, seen something more uh, ruckus at Happy Valley Elementary. Ouch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, pretty all right week overall for racing. I mean, Gateway, as you said, not really too much to write home about, but it wasn't. A bad uh, weekend overall. I mean, there was some interesting stuff that happened, so we'll get into that right now. But overall, Gateway was a pretty good weekend for the RCR. Well, at least one of them. Kyle Busch ends up getting his third win of the season. I believe he, I believe he is now the second dr- second in most wins this season. I think Byron still has four, and I think Larson is f- still has three. Yep, KB right now looking like a top four contender for the championship this year. And to be honest, I would like to see it. Man, you know, Bush just kind of had a weird season. I mean, he Fontana dominated, and he kind of had a few races where he wrecked or dominated, and like he's kind of fell off the, the map here lately. Then all of a sudden he comes up today and just pretty well has it in the bag. I mean, there was several restarts toward the end of the race, and Bush, man, he just he never was really threatened. Kyle Bush kind of turned it around. Gateway last year, he had an overtime finish, but he lost out to Jolo. And this year, we had an overtime finish, and Kyle Busch learns from his errors and gets it done. Does anyone else find it weird that to hear Kyle Busch get cheered now? Oh, yeah, and Denny Hamlin getting booed. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird thing now to see Kyle Busch endorsing 3G and free chicken tenders at Cheddar's, and the crowd goes bonkers. I mean, we should have took him up on that. And to- and to be honest, like this is like the first time in a long time where I actually don't mind Kyle Busch winning. To be honest, personally, Kyle Busch has probably has probably became one of my favorite drivers in the last like five months or so. What? Stop yeah, sorry. Who are you? Who are you? Kyle Busch and Brian Blaney, and those have been the two winners the last two weeks. So, I mean, great for Kyle Busch, and I mean, I think I think something of RCR is clicking, and I think another winner of this is Austin Dillon. His average finish is slowly but surely coming up there. Speaking of Dylan, you know, I've seen Richard Childress calling for a suspension of Austin Cindric, and he got right. Evidently, these two were wolfing back at each other, back and forth with each other. Some of the race, I think I've seen somewhere Cindric come up to him in a caution. He wasn't happy about something. Evidently, these two was kind of around each other most of the race. And, and then, of course, he's claiming that Cindric right hooked him. In, you know, he definitely hit him, and he definitely went straight to the wall. And uh, so we'll see if NASCAR suspends another guy. I mean, yeah, you got a point there. I, w- I wouldn't be so sure. I mean, I'm sure part of it's because Austin Dillon's Richard's grandson. But at the same time, I mean, you can't write hook, guys. I'm pretty sure we mentioned this last week. You just can't write hook, people. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. It usually comes in on Tuesdays. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, I'm looking at my results here. And some other notable results I see is Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell get top tens. Daniel Suarez 
is the lead track house car for the first time in what feels like forever. And it, Michael McDowell is just having a is having another breakout year at front row. I mean, 2022 was probably his best year, and now 2023, he's looking to top that. Yeah, this is probably the first time in like a while I've seen Daniel Suarez be in front of Ross Chastain when he's not wrecked, you know? Hopefully, it's a comeback for Suarez. I, I would like to see him get back in the top 10 consistently, like his teammate Ross Chastain. Speaking of Ross... Speaking of Ross, he had a really bad week this week. He finished 22nd and drops from first in the standings to fifth in it the is, standings. At this point, it's no coincidence. Ever since the whole Darlington thing with Hendrick calling him out, Marks goes on the radio says we're going to rein him in. To me, it is absolutely no coincidence. The guy has suffered since this, and I don't know if he's trying to figure out how to race cleaner, but, man, it's, it's absolutely no coincidence. Ever since that whole drama, Chastain is not Chastain. To me, you've got to let Chastain be Chastain. And for whatever reason, he is – I don't know if he's fighting with himself or what's going on there, but the guy is definitely not Ross Chastain right now. I was listening a little to uh, MRN's uh, little uh, broadcasting of the race Sunday during the delay, and they mentioned that Ch- – they said that Chastain was leading the points at Gateway, and they're talking about how Trackhouse was being really innovative and stuff. I think what they failed to mention was at the time, Ross Chastain was only leading the standings by one point over Ryan Blaney. Yeah, he draw back to fifth and since he's been reeled in it just hasn't been that good it's just been down there like top 20s 22nd hey listen if i'm daniel suarez i'm gonna capitalize on this you want to be the number one guy he did p7 you know and and if i'm suarez i'm gonna i'm jumping all over this i'm letting ross work out whatever he's got going on mentally and i'm jumping all over this now i will say this track houses does not seem like he's been as good this year as they have were last year definitely i don't know if that's cause JGR Hendrick, uh, some of those teams have kind of su- supplanted their support superiority again, but Trackhouse has definitely not been as good as they were last year. I mean, you could say they ha- they were good this year, like they had great results and stuff, but I wonder how much of that was inflated by Ross Chastain being Ross Chastain. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an argument, that's for sure. It's an argument that can be made. I think Suarez, I think he has a good shot of getting back in, like, Top tens every weekend here at Sonoma. Like, this is the only track he's won at. Last year, I would like to see him go back to back, but right now, I don't see it. But I'm gonna be honest. I think the bigger disappointment of the weekend, Corilla Joy. Oh, I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, we picked him to be probably really high up there in Gateway. What does he do? He starts P30, hits the kill switch lap two. (laughs) But well, hold up. Before that, he hits the wall in qualifying. Again, that that leads to our P30, and then only gets P21. Now, I will say, did finish ahead of Ross Chastain, but at this point, Ross Chastain is, well, Ross Chastain. And he also did finish ahead of Alex Bowman, but Bowman's still kind of recovering from his injury, so credit where credit is due. you got to think LaJoy is kicking himself. He had a great opportunity, one of the best cars in the garage. He's practically begged for a better ride, and the guy comes in, and I'm going to say he lays an egg, but... (laughs) Struggle bus all weekend. He was on the struggle bus all weekend. Yeah, even at one point, Hosevar was in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> that was a oh. deadly kick to the shins. That's sad. Whenever you're a replacement, it's running better than you. watch you. a guy that's never had a start in NASCAR go race your car and is beating you. <laughs> Ty <laughs> Dillon was ahead of Corey LaJoy at one point. Oh, man, that's bad. And yeah. Ty Dillon, we all know, is RCR's least favorite grandson. <laughs> Ooh, that's a hot take. I mean, it's podcast. not a hot take. It's true. <laughs> 
I mean, truth hurts. I'll be honest. I think Kosovar's got a shot of that 77 next year. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. We shall see. We shall I mean, see. I, but at the same time, I, I guess we also got to think that, you know, Larson was awful for part of the race. Hendrick was just kind of – the whole – Hendrick, besides Byron, the Byron kind of stayed up a little bit. But, you know, Larson, I think the gamble some pit strategy, took two tires, kind of stayed up front, and it really worked out for him. But Hendrick as a whole, it seemed like they are a little bit off all weekend. Yeah, Bowman only comes home P26. LaJoy, we, we mentioned, came home P21. But they did were able to salvage it, like you said, with Larson. He eventually got P4. Was running in P2 for at least a little bit, but kind of started falling back to Kyle. And Byron just kind of had a slow, quiet top 10 day. Kind of a far cry from the Byron that was dominating races earlier this year. Yeah. Alex Bowman, I think he's still on the recovery stable. Like, he's been out for a couple weeks. Now he's trying to get back settled in i th- I can understand why he's down there but core the joy man he's not been injured anything all season and he comes with like better equipment than his spire motorsports car and just just terrible just terrible every, um all weekend it just yeah but i'll say this about bowman i'll disagree with you both bowman he was actually doing decent. He had a terrible restart there when we had the four or five in a row there on cautions. He The very last restart, he had a pretty bad restart, kind of got out of the groove a little bit and ends up, I think he was top 15th time. So, I mean, he was doing decent. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll just have to see. I think not a great day results-wise for Hendrick. I mean, still good day for Larson and Byron, probably your two guys that you probably might want to prioritize more at the moment, but... Not a good day for either LaJoy nor Alex Bowman. Also, I want to talk about something real quick. 2311 and the Spire number 7 had a bad weekend, but you know what those guys have in common? Brake rotors were failed on a lot of people today. On a lot and of I today. think, is that the same thing that happened to uh, Gregson? Did he have the same thing? I believe so. I'm, I can't I remember. I the Gregson fan was, had his shirt pulled up on social media that a, that a part had hit him and Gregson tweeted him back and all this. I mean, kind of funny, but, but uh, brake rotors, yes. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's what's going on there, but, yeah, we had, I think there was five cars I've seen had brake rotor problems. And for those who don't know, the brake rotors are mostly what helps slow down the car coming into the heavy braking zones in turn one and three. Usually they're at their hottest when through, going through turn one and three, tend to cool down on the straightaway, and then the cycle gets up. So I'm assuming that hot, cool, hot, cool cycle kind of uh, overwhelmed both the 2311 cars, Hosevar and a few others, but not a great day. I think Briscoe was out after that 120-point penalty. I mean, not what that team needed, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could definitely used a good race after last weekend, but yeah, not, not another weekend or it was kind of not, not real good for them. But yeah, so... I think uh, well, let's uh, move on to a little bit more of an interesting topic. Let's cover some rumors... Courtesy of The Athletic. Thank you, Jordan Bianchi. <laughs> Bad Boy Bianchi. Bad Boy Bianchi. So let's go ahead and cover. I want to talk about uh, Corey LaJoy first. We mentioned Corey LaJoy didn't have a great weekend, uh, personally, Gateway, but he's in the contention for some interesting rides. I mean, if you re- go in further at the uh, article, it mentions that there was at one point talks of a third track house car going full time with Corey LaJoy potentially being that driver. I'll say this. I think Trackhouse and Corey LaJoy would have meshed well, but as the days goes on, it seems that is going to becoming less and less likely. Yeah, I would think part of that rumor is somebody was willing to sell a charter 
and maybe got cold, or maybe now all of a sudden got cold, cold feet. feet or wanted too much money. I mean, to me, that's the biggest obstacle right now in, in NASCAR is for new teams is the charter prices are just ridiculous. I mean, they're we're hearing Rick Ware, uh, all these other places, they're wanting $20, 30000000 million for a charter. And then supposedly in the new NASCAR talks, I think a sticking point is NASCAR or Jim France or somebody is wanting time to do away with the charter system. So nobody's want to pony up $20, 30000000 million for a charter if it's going to go away in two years. That's a really good – that's a good point you mentioned. And I wonder – I wonder how Denny's going to take that. I mean, you saw that he paid like a significant amount of money just to get that 45 charter. I mean, I think at one point they should have just considered running unchartered. I mean, yeah, it would have been tough, but I mean, I knew I, I had a feeling Kurt could have probably done it and I'm sure Reddick would have done it this year. Right. I think, I think we should go back to the qualifying based stuff. I don't think the charter stuff is really good for NASCAR because we have stuff People like no talent just getting in, just getting in NASCAR because they have money. Like Cody Ware, he wasn't really doing any good. I think they eventually work it out. I mean, it's, it's it's the only thing that the owners have that's worth money is basically the charter system, and I, I can't see Henrik and all these other guys giving up a charter system. I mean, they'll work it out eventually. I know that. I have to imagine that was leaked out of there to see what their reaction would be if they didn't win the charter. But it's hard for me to to think any kind of deal gets done without the charter system in place. I think there's both positives and negatives from charter. I mean, the positives is you don't have somebody, you wouldn't have a story like, say, Brad Keselowski missing the Daytona 500 because he had an absolute howler of a Daytona Speed Weeks. But on the other hand, you have, like, BJ McLeod, who is just, like, not doing anything in the sport, and he's in the field instead of, instead of, say, Chandler Smith, who was running a third college car that ran at least okay until, well, uh, the first lap of qualifying. <laughs> I mean, to me, the, the they do need to have some sort of loophole. Maybe if Honda, uh, one of these OEMs like that, wants to jump into the sport, that they're guaranteed one charter, two charter, something like that. I mean, you know, versus them having to buy a front row motorsports, for example, or whoever. I think another OEM would, would – would probably help a sport. You know, that was rumored. Was that last year? Dodge was rumored to be jumping back in. Then that kind of hit the skids again. And so. I think it was a rumor, but then nothing came of the right. rumor. I think NASCAR does have the option to take away the bottom free charter teams, but they haven't used it ever since the charter rule was in place. I'd say if NASCAR uses that and then maybe opens up the field a little, I think we should, we could, I think the big problem with charters right now is you're only getting the 36 chartered guys and, Except like the off chance of Jimmy Johnson running a race only to wreck lap fifty or Project I mean, ninety one. I have to see chance. it to believe it. They're going to pull anybody's charter. I have to see it to yeah, believe it. Yeah, I'm like you. They haven't done it since. They haven't done it like at all. So they can, but I don't think they are going to. Well, we and we see another rumor. Eric Amarola was possibly retiring. You know, that's Bianchi had mentioned that. You know, Josh Berry seems like it's a done deal to. I think Kevin he's Harvick. That seems like it's a done deal, but he he did stay out there. That another rumor was Eric Amarola possibly thinking about going and retiring this year, and he mentioned a lot of names going into uh, the ten car next year. I mean Riley Herbst, Harrison Burton, but there's two, but there's three guys who I've who I think have gotten, and you know what they all have in common? They're all from Front Row Motorsports: Michael McDowell, Todd Gilliland, and Zane Smith. The leading candidate seems to be Michael McDowell. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would like to see Michael McDowell getting good equipment 
that Stuart Haas equipment, not the best, but like it's been there at time consistency is key, as they would like to say. Because Harvick's been there past couple years. He's been he won two races back to back last year. So and, and McDowell kind of fits their thing. I mean, they don't. Yeah. Stuart Haas doesn't really go with young drivers. They did with Cole Custer, and that that kind of blew up. They don't usually go with uh, young drivers. They seem to go with with. Uh, season guys, Josh Berry is. I'd argue Chase Briscoe, but you've got a point. That is true, but Chase Briscoe, I think, brought a tons of funding. You know, I think that's one reason he got a ride. You know, not Josh to, Berry is not to mention his breakout twenty twenty season. Correct. Josh Berry is kind of a middle aged guy, established, and he's something like he's going to be matched up of, with uh, you know Rodney Childers pretty well. So McDowell seems to be the best fit. Zane Smith to me is the most intriguing guy out there. Yeah. He's the most intriguing prospect. I mean, he's. Did he win two truck championships or just one turn? He only won run cha- only won one in the free full time truck seasons he's written. He's he his worst truck championship finish was second. Right. So to me, he's the most intriguing prospect. To me, he t- he's gonna go straight to a cup ride. He's to me, he's not even go to Xfinity. I don't think he'll bother with Xfinity. There was like some rumors that he, that FRM would do a part time Xfinity deal with uh, Zane Smith, but I think that fizzled out the last I mean, minute. To me. And then our friend Connor over here, Kozlowski fan, when Kozlowski steps out to me, Zane Smith should be a no-brainer. Yeah, either Zane Smith, I think, if McDowell goes to the 10 and Almirola retires, I think Zane Smith's going to get the 34. I don't think Gillen's going to get the 34 because it just hasn't been there. I think he'll keep the 38. And eventually when Kozlowski retires, unless Zane Smith's not gone anywhere yet, I think he'll go to the six. The other thing you said looks like JGR is going to re-up with uh, Truex and Hamlin at least one-year deals, if not two-year for Hamlin. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. I mean, John Hunt, excuse me, John Hunter seems like he's ready to step in whenever they decide to retire. I think we were kind of talking before the podcast. We're kind of surprised that Denny's not going to go to his new his his team. I guess he doesn't want to run an open car, uh, so he needs a charter, which is the same thing like we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah. It's going to cost him $20, 30000000 million. And you know, I, I'm assuming they don't, they're not comfortable with him just running an open car, but you would think he would take some funding with him or something. It's hard for me to, to imagine that FedEx would go with John Hunter over Denny Hamlin. So I mean, it's uh, hard to – I mean, I say it's hard to me to think that, they w- that Denny wouldn't take the 11 with him. I still think it's kind of odd that the two cars, instead of the 23 and 45, I'm still surprised that we don't have the 11 and 23. But I guess he feels some loyal to Joe, to Joe Gibbs, and that's I mean, probably the that's He's probably only the been with Joe Gibbs. You're yeah. right. Sure. I mean – I will say all this loyalty, and was he getting for it? No championships. I think. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, the guy's a threat every year, so we'll see yeah, what happens we'll this year. That. I'll think, say that he is a good threat. I think what's going to happen is Martin Truex. I'm pretty sure last year he had rumors of him retiring at the end of the year. So I think in like the next two years or three years down the road, when he retires, I think John Hunter will be there to step in and take a spot. Alrighty, uh, that was all for our NASCAR section this week. We're going to take a short little break, and we'll be right back. But this, but don't go away, because we got some F1 coming up. All right, we are back, and this time let's take a little let's take a little road trip to Spain, shall we? With the España, as you a, said last week. Uh, I mean, it is one one of the places it's, it's called, and once again. Max Verstappen wins. Dot dot dot. What do we say, Connor? 
The hottest take of the week was he picked <laughs> an Aston Martin over Red Bull. That was the hottest take of the week. Like, uh, Red Bull, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'll Red admit. Bull was a whole half second faster than Carlos Sainz. Like, it was really no contention in Q3. Like, where's the competition? Like, I mean, we, we can't forget that Red Bull brought upgrades this weekend. Upgrades on the fastest car of the weekend. I mean, it was kind of doomsday from the well, start. It didn't really. Well, I guess it did okay for Checo. So, so it didn't get him, get him a podium, but... It did okay for Checo. Apparently, I mean, whatever. Checo, poor guy. He can't, the last two weeks of qualifying for him has been a nightmare. Uh, out, out in Q2 this week, and then, well, we know what happened to and, Monaco. And we know for our listeners, F1, it's a really qualifying-dependent sport. If you qualify outside uh, the top ten in F1, it is really hard to get points, unless you just have a car that's just beyond, uh, like Verstappen, who's come. <laughs> I'm you know, Right. But other than that, I mean, it's qual- it's so it's such a qualifying dependent sport. If you're if you don't get in the top ten, it's hard to get in there. I mean, last year, I mean, last year, I once we met a guy who was an F one guy at Bristol, and he said this, and honestly, it rings extremely true for F one. It is not the fastest driver who wins; it's the fastest car that wins. And right now, Red Bull is the fastest you, car. You put Verstappen in the Williams, and I don't I don't know he's getting points. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. But I want to talk about uh, two guys who made uh, who were out in Q2 and made really good recovery drives. Sergio Perez, as we've previously discussed, and George Russell. He they, George Russell gets P3 while his teammate got P2. And Mercedes had a really good race this week, other than Red Bull. What do y'all think about the uh, him taking the off road on the first lap? I think he gained mainly positions from that. I didn't think it looked legit to me when we was watching it, and stewards disagreed with us. They they allowed it, but to me, even some who was it? Somebody mentioned was it Horner, Christian Horner? I think even kind of threw a dart at me at post race and said he gained so many positions, but it, it was deemed legal. But I I agree, he he jumped five positions in, in one turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was uh, something going on there. I wonder if it was he thought there was going to be kind of a chain reaction from uh, Norris and Hamilton, kind of. Swapping uh, paint with each other and kind of worried about the Constantino. Poor Lando. He's had some terrible luck yeah. this year. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, had Great. P3 in qualifying, and he throws it yeah, away. McLaren has definitely been faster. But, man, Lando has had some terrible luck this year. They should do the triple con- crown. It's a triple crown car. They should do that more often. <laughs> the qualifying, at least. But going back to Mercedes, uh, Russell. Mercedes, they brought some upgrades. Man, they looked a lot better. I mean, I'm I'm all for it, them giving Red Bull a run, but they definitely look better. I mean, they're not in Red Bull's league yet, but I mean, I, <laughs> they definitely uh, to me surpassed Aston Martin this weekend. We're going to get into this later about Alonso saying that Aston Martin's bringing some upgrades, but you know, Mercedes, man, they took a step forward this weekend. I, I think, I think that Barcelona is what I've heard is Barcelona has always been a Mercedes track, like Hamilton before, you know, sixteen. Yeah, before um, Verstappen started to take over, he was like winning almost every year. Like, this is the Mercedes track, so not to mention, I'm, not to mention, both Hamilton and Russell did a very uh, tactic that I'm going to talk about later. But I'll, I'll that's some foreshadowing. So there's that. But yeah, I think I want to mention out one thing though. Uh, George Russell once said it was raining in turn five. As it turns out, it was sweat. 
Sure, buddy. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it was a little bit of gamesmanship. That's my assumption. It's a little bit of gamesmanship, but <laughs> yeah. Not even, even even his own engineer is kind of laughing at him. Not even James was convinced. <laughs> no, uh, you know who did not have a good weekend this week? Ferrari again. Oh man. I mean, Sarge had a decent week, but P two just it failed to materialize. I hate yeah. to be the guy. And then Leclerc. I mean, where to start with Leclerc? He was out in Q1 and can I mean, only he, go to P11. Did he start 19th? He started 19th. He did finish 11th. Um, Problem was, he had to start in pit lane. Yeah, man. Portland Leclerc, man, he is he he is really, I don't know if it's a mental thing at this point or if it's just the whole Vasseur trade with, with Mateo. I mean, Man, McLaren is not mean McLaren. I mean, last year he legit looked like a serious threat to to uh, Verstappen. This year, he's man, he's just struggled this year. What I've heard, it's a uh, something went on went wrong with the suspension. So it's always something with McLaren and his mechanical problems. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost to the point. The guy's always blaming the car. <laughs> now, yeah. There's a quote from the preview of F123's Breaking Point Two. A shoddy workman blames his tools. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Connor don't like that one. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he seems like he's blaming his car a lot. That's all I'm trying to say. I ain't saying the guy's not a world class driver. He is a world class driver. He would. You can't get an F1 ride if you're not a world class driver. I mean, he showed us in Austria what he could do last year. Like that's a Red Bull track. They just took advantage of it and got in front of it. But her. at some point in time, he's got to get over the hump. Him and Sainz. Yeah. I will say this: Charles Leclerc. Once bragged that he had the longest contract in history with Ferrari. I wonder how he feels about that contract now. <laughs> we'll see. 2019, good. 2020, 2023, nah, not so good. Oh, but speaking of uh, Carlos Sainz, I mean, both Spaniards this weekend had what I like to refer to as home race disaster classes. We already mentioned that Carlos Sainz just kind of did not have a good weekend. Missed the chance to overtake for Stappen in the first corner, and from there it was, it was Ferrari was a ho- horrible on their tires. I think Alonso was the bigger surprise. Yeah, the guys yeah. look strong all year. He is definitely being right there. And then we come to Barcelona, out qualified by Stroll. Yeah, Lance Stroll's teammate, which Daddy's son is is out qualifying him, and I, it's you almost think it's on purpose to a point because, like I said, he's just been in another league other than Stroll and. Man, Alonso just did not have it this weekend. Russell's overtake on Alonso that I want to point out. Um, it looked like it almost looked like that. Alonso, Alonso let him was go. Like breaking, like it's like breaking, like wanting them to go by. I was like, yeah, it almost seemed, not, like. I mean, I think Alonso trying to go easy on his tires early on cost him a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a great idea for him. I mean, you're already going to lose a lot of your tire wear. I mean, at some point, <laughs> yeah. just. I mean, I understand the save your tires, but uh, not well, good for I, I think one thing we we haven't got on our show sheet here, Alpine. They've been better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They've been Off better ever since the whole tongue lashing of Otmar in the in the press. Um, you mean Laurent Rossi? Right, 
you know, tongue lash Otmar, which is the Alpine principle. Um, Alpine's gotten better, it seems like. They've they've had a couple decent weeks. I mean. Alcon got a podium in Monaco. I mean. Correct. Ocon eighth this week. Gasly 10th got points. Like you said, podium last week. They've been better. Like, Gasly actually qualified third, but, of course, he ended up getting penalized for, for uh, interference on two different occasions in qualifying. He qualified fourth and then dropped down to P10 after yeah. the penalties. So, um, but they've been better. So, they, they've definitely been better. That, that midfield constructors title is looking a little bit tighter on mercedes goes ahead of yeah. aston martin yeah with uh this race mercedes overtakes aston martin and uh, i will say this alpine for all we talked about they only have 40 points but six is mclaren with only 17 points so they don't really have much competition so all they can do they can kind of, they have some wiggle room to kind of figure out what works and they have some they're chasing down ferrari i mean what's the gap uh, it is 60 points on the dot. I have a hot take for all y'all. I think Alpine might overtake Ferrari in the standings. With the way that things are going really, really, recently, I'll believe you. Like, by the end of the season, they're going to overtake them. Because, I mean, what Alpine has right now is just... In, in an age where Max Verstappen wins every single race, or Perez... They don't need to have race winners. They just need good drivers who can finish the race. And right now, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly are doing exactly that. Yeah, they may have had some trouble in Australia, and sure, the season didn't get off to the greatest start, but they're, they're kind of rolling now. They've got the ball rolling. Yeah, better, much better. I agree, much better. But, but hey, the hottest take of the week had to be today, Alonzo. Yeah, I know. I I uh, I admit my mistakes. I have seen the light. No, no, no. I mean what Alonzo said about oh, yeah. about upgrades. Oh, well, let's bring that up. Aston Martin earlier today mentioned that they're bringing up upgrades for Canada, and Aston Martin decided to go off the deep. I mean, and Alonzo went off the deep end and said that they were going to crush Red Bull. His words, not mine. I, I, I read that article. I think they were more talking about Mercedes. Um, but still, I mean, <laughs> for for a driver to come on, basically go to the press and say we're going to crush them in, in Canada, I mean, that's that's a bold statement there in F one. I mean, we did see Alonso get P two last year in the Alpine co- equipment in Canada. But you have to remember that was a rate rainy qualifying session. My sure. apologies. Well, again, we'll see what happens. I mean, certainly. Stroll wants to make a big upgrade there. You know, Lawrence Stroll, the Stroll family is from Canada. They are Canadian, so they certainly want to make a, a huge impression there. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Ashton fans, but um, <laughs> again, for you, for you to go to the press and say you're going to crush them, that's that's an interesting uh, interesting tactic there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think, honestly, with the two upgrades that were brought in at Monaco, I think Mercedes had the better upgrades overall. I mean, yeah, Aston Martin had good pace in Monaco, but at the same time, Mercedes... They were just, they had great consistency for that lap. And I'll be honest, I think we might see Hamilton or Russell maybe challenge for a win here and there. That's a hot take. But it's a hot take. You'll notice I said maybe there. Speaking of interesting tactics, shall we? I believe we shall. Uh, Let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back for interesting tactics and some predictions. All right, we are back from our break, and we are going into our interesting tactics session. This is this section discusses tactics, strategy calls throughout the races that we thought were good or bad. So they were just interesting. They don't have to be good, don't have to be bad, just have to be interesting. I had an interesting tactic this week, but I think I want to save it for what you all have to say. Let's start with you, Connor. 
Yeah, I think my interesting tactic for the week is Red Bull's upgrade, like, whole half second faster than the rest of the field. Like, that's crazy. It's in Q3, that's just crazy. Like, who does that? Adrian Newey does it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my interesting tactic of the week is I just said is Lonzo. Going to the press, son, you're going to crush the competition. I mean, to me, that's just – I don't know if I could ever think of that off the top of my head in F1. So, for a driver to come out and say, we're going to crush them, <laughs> interesting to me. Yeah, that is. My interesting tactic this week was both the Mercedes cars. Both of them this week were extremely gentle on their soft tires, which is a tire that's extremely hard to be gentle on, and took a one-stop from soft to mediums in a 66-lap race and made it work is the craziest right now. Yeah, sure, Verstappen was also on a one-stop, but that was with mediums to hard. You kind of expect that on a one-stop, but soft to mediums is not a one-stop you typically expect, and it worked out. Both Lewis Hamilton and George Russell end up getting a double podium. Yeah, Hamilton's known for, like, making his tires last, so good race for him. Got P2. Bad thing is, no F1 race next week. We got NASCAR is in Sonoma. Wine country. Wine country time. Road course. Road, Suarez won the race last year. Road coursing. So, we're, who are we predicting this week? Uh, th- okay, so last week we predicted for the – I want to go ahead and talk about the results of last week's predictions. Uh, NASCAR, I predicted Joey Logano to win. Connor predicted Bubba, and Dad predicted Tyler Reddick. Both Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace failed to finish the race in Gateway. <laughs> Break rotors. So – I technically win that, so I have a point, and you all are still tied with goose eggs. Mm. And in F1, both of you have a point, since both of y'all picked for Stapp, and then I picked Fernando Alonso. I rec- I have seen the light. I have seen my heirs. <laughs> all right, so who we got this week? So this weekend, I, for Sonoma, I am picking Tyler Reddick. He won earlier this week at Coda by surviving, like, at least 5,000 overtimes, <laughs> but... Tyler Reddick held on during all those overtimes. May have gotten past like once or twice by Byron, but always re-overtook him before the next overtime and so, did so good that race that Kurt Busch was crying on the final lap. Oh. Despite, to, despite what I said earlier in the podcast, I'm going to to, go back on what I said. I think Swartz is going to get it done. I think he's going to win. Back-to-back P7 at Gateway, so hopefully this is a sign of things to come. So I think he's going to win. I'm going Mr. Chase Elliott. I think he's going to be a little bit motivated at the suspension. He generally does well at road courses. He was uh, there for a while, dominated road courses. And then I don't know if I can't remember when the last win, maybe Watkins Glen is his last uh, road course win. But I'm going to go. I think Elliott's got a little bit of an extra motivation this week after a suspension. So I'm going to go Chase. I'll say this. I picked. I'll say this. Chase Elliott hasn't run a road, won a road course in a little while. Most of the races that you'd think Elliott's nominated. Believe it or not, have been dominated by Tyler Reddick. We so shall see. That's what who I picked. We shall see. <laughs> Thank you all so much for uh, listening to uh, Free Wide this week, and we hope to see you all next week covering Sonoma. Thank you all so much again, and y'all have a great rest of your Peace week. Peace out. Peace out. Goodbye. Peace. Where's your seatbelt? <laughs> <laughs>